And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the Mike Broomhead Show. The 35th Annual Renaissance Festival has begun. The Renaissance Festival lasts each weekend until April 3rd. We're giving you a chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Just visit the contest page at KTAR.com for complete details and your chance to win. Um... The real numbers on the economy, and this is what the average American person is dealing with. And I would say to you that both political parties are consumed with saying that they are in favor. They are fighting for the middle class. Uh, I I will never – I guess you should never say never because if I do, somebody will pull this and say, you said you would never and you're a liar. And I'm not – let's put it this way. I'm not running for office. It's not going to happen. But I would do it so differently than how it's being done. Um, I'm not a wealthy person, at least not in my eyes. I, I, I make a nice living better than I thought I would when I was a kid. I thought I would work in restaurants the rest of my life and was happy about that. And my life has never been about wealth. Um, and my life is about adventure. I mean, my life is about stories to tell. Uh, my life is about the things I've done and not the possessions I've accumulated. Um, but I'm not running for office. But if I was... I would be holding up successful people in high regard. Not that they're better than anyone else, but they get they get slammed for being successful, and I don't understand it. And it isn't everyone. Um, I'll ask all of you, in your mind, is Tom Cruise worth the amount of money they pay him to do the Top Gun movies and to do the Mission Impossible movies? They're getting ready to come out, they think, with the final Indiana Jones movie. Is Harrison Ford worth what they pay him to do those movies? What he meant to the Star Wars franchise. Go down the list. Brad Pitt, George Clooney. You know, um, look at some of the great actresses and what they what they earn. Look at what entertainers look what Rihanna uh, in the halftime show. Is she worth the money that she commands to do a show? Adele and the show in Vegas. Is she worth it? Garth Brooks. Let's go down it. Let's go down the line. Are they worth it? Well, they're worth it if you're going to pay the money for to go to the show. I was looking at tickets. I have n- I've never seen Metallica in concert. I would love to see Metallica in concert. And then I thought, but if I'm going to go see them in a stadium, I'm not sitting in the upper deck. It's that's no fun to me. I, it's, it's not just to say I was in the building. I don't want to do that. I want to be close. Well, I I can't afford close. So I, I, at least I wouldn't pay close those prices. I'm not paying it. I'd love to go to a Super Bowl. I'm not paying $7,000 to go to a Super Bowl. And is it worth it? It depends on who's willing to pay it. But where we slam success in this country is we slam it in corporate America. If you're a CEO of a company, if you're on the board of directors, they always talk about the CEO of this company, the 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 10 wealthiest CEOs in Arizona and what their salary is. And then they say they make 27 times more than the average salary of the people that work in that company. Well, let's go back to those movie stars. Are they worth it? When the um, extras that are on the set make a day's wage based on whatever that prevailing wage is from the Actors Guild, is are they worth it? 
What about the people that are supporting cast in those movies? Couldn't make those movies without them. Starting quarterbacks in the NFL and the huge money they command. Couldn't do it without an offensive line. Couldn't do it without a practice squad that you know injures themselves on the practice field for very little money in comparison to everybody else. My point is there are segments of our society where we just recognize that with great success comes great wealth. I went and saw Garth Brooks four times in his prime. I want to go see him again. He's worth every penny. Elton John, iconic. All of these people, none of us complain about the money they're worth or the money they make or what it costs to go to their concerts, what it costs to buy their music. And yet we demonize people that are successful in industry. And it makes me laugh. These people, and what makes me laugh about it is because I was a small business owner, but I watched very successful small business owners. I watched how hard they worked. I've heard their stories. I begged them to tell me their stories because I wanted to know how they did it. You know, when it's when it's one person in a truck and some tools and it's, you know, 13 hours a day, including paperwork and you're there early, you stay late, you work weekends, you do all these things to start a business. And then 10, 15 years down the road, you buy a brand new vehicle or a motorcycle and all of a sudden your employees are jealous that you're riding around in a brand new car. And it's like, man, where were you when they were paper bagging it and working 14 hours a day? And if I were running for office, that's the message I'd take to people. Go work your butt off. Wealth follows success. When you're successful at something, wealth follows it. You know, you look at, at Eminem, the, the, the rapper, the hip-hop artist Eminem, started in a trailer park in Detroit. But because he is considered, if not the best, one of the best hip-hop artists in the world, he's wealthy. And when you look at these real economic numbers, let's talk about the working class. For me, it's heroic to make it out of poverty. If you're someone that's struggling now, the, the real wage, what's considered to be the real wage, what you're earning compared to what it costs you to live every single month for over a year, salaries have gone down by differing percentages. Somewhere between one and a half and three and a half percent per month because inflation continues to go faster than wage growth. That wasn't the case three years ago, four years ago. So there's something that's happening now where this administration is telling everybody we are the party of the working class. And this president prides himself on it. The most pro-union president in the history of our country, and I believe that to be true. And yet union membership is down across the country. He also claims to be a, a president for the working class. He brags about riding the train and Scranton and all the stuff he did. He says he drove a truck and all the things he says he's done. And yet the working class is suffering because of the policies and the direction of this administration. They're going to have to wrestle with that when it comes time to run for office again. The direction that this president believes is necessary is we have to take climate change as serious as we ever have, and everything in this world is banking on climate change is killing the planet. So therefore, we are sprinting in the direction of electric vehicles, sprinting in that direction, and that's the only way to go. 
I want you to hear what he had to say about electric charging stations. Because people said, wait a minute, I'm not sure we want to put those thousand gallon drums under the, under the ground here, you know, in my neighborhood. But every gas station that got built, what happens? All of a sudden you have a fast food store nearby. All of a sudden you have to build the community. Well, what we're doing with these charging stations is the same thing my grandpa did. I'm not joking. Think about it. You're building communities, little tiny communities. It builds the region. It takes care of things. I just want to know, I don't care what political party you're affiliated with. Do you believe that? If you build it, they will come. If we put if we as a government put in vehicle charging stations, they will build a community around it, not the other way around. It isn't that we need to put electric charging stations in like we do with gas stations, like we've done with uh, whatever convenience stores and restaurants and Starbucks. And when you build it, so we've got a chip plant that's going up right now, a brand new one going up in the Northwest Valley in an area where the 303 was put in. You mean to tell me that they're putting that chip plant there because we're putting charging stations across there? Or are you mean to tell me they're going to build that chip plant there because in the future there's restaurants going in? Or are the houses going up in value? Are the businesses and property values gone up? Are we going to see more restaurants in that area, the Norterra area, the Happy Valley Road and I-17 area? You mean to tell me that that value isn't increasing because of the chip plant? Or is it? Again, it's when you build it, they will come. The president believes putting charging stations in builds a community around it. They're going to put in government-owned or government-funded charging stations, and they're going to build communities around those charging stations. That's his message. That is the message of climate change, that they believe that this is how the economy gets better. And it's part of the reason why we're doing what's happening is happening. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest stories of the day. It's called Did You Hear This? So stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on those big headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. We're learning more about the prior charges of Anthony McRae. The Michigan State shooter pleaded guilty to a weapons charge back in 2019, but a felony charge was dropped. A former prosecutor is defending that move, saying such plea deals are standard practice. A felony charge would have prevented him from legally owning a gun. Is this a justice system failure? Yeah, I think it is. I think that uh, going back, I keep hearing the words of my friend Steve Hooper echoing in my head, which is own the threat. It goes deeper than that. Here is a man who had obviously had some issues. His family said so. His father said, I tried to get him to get rid of a gun. He lied to me and said he got rid of his gun. He had been accused of firing a gun in his backyard multiple times, saying it was fireworks. Other people had made accusations. And then he gets arrested with a concealed weapon he wasn't supposed to have. So, yes, when you look at this, it's more than just a law enforcement, or I should say prosecution failure, because this was part of a policy shift in the district attorney's office going soft on crime, including gun crimes. So now you've got people you know are committing crimes with guns, and you are not doing anything to them, but you want to further the laws against other people. Start by going after the people that are doing it the wrong way, and then talk about what to do after that. President Biden spoke on why he believes his economic plan is working. Gas prices are down $1.60 a gallon. They're going to come down further from the peak. And inflation is coming down. Take-home pay for workers has gone up over the past several months. 
We got more to do, but I'm telling you, the Biden economic plan is working because of you all. Do you see any positives in our economy? Yeah, I do see some positives. The job market is still really, really strong. There are a lot of open jobs in this country, which means wages are remaining high. They're not keeping up with inflation. But thank God people are able to find that second job when they need to, and they're finding ways to make ends meet. I do think here in Arizona, especially, we're on a little bit of an island, that I think our economy is going to remain strong. We have got to do something about housing. If we could do something, and you can't flip a switch and make it happen, but if we could do something about the need for housing in Arizona and ease that a little bit, that would do wonders for our economy because we are in a very good position with jobs and pay, but it's housing that is taking away and adding to the inflation that we have. But I I think there are some good signs about this economy. I just hope nationally they can bring inflation down faster. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. As part of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the Biden-Harris administration is awarding millions to increase access to school-based mental health professionals. More than $188 million is going to 170 grantees for access to mental health professionals in schools. And the White House says there will be an additional $1 billion investment for mental health in schools over the next five years. Should schools and the government continue to invest in programs like this? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with an investment in mental health professionals, but if it's an either or, if you're talking about school, school security versus mental health, I think security needs to come first. But I have, I think we need to have mental health counselors in schools. I think we need to have people that are helping kids with emotional issues. I think all of that is necessary. There are plenty of places in our school system where I think funding needs to be rescinded or reduced, but that isn't necessarily one of them. But if it's in the place of, if somebody is saying, would you rather secure the school or would you rather hire a couple of more counselors? To me, it's a no-brainer that security has to come first. But if it's not either or, then absolutely we should be doing things to help with the mental health of young people. A limited portion of the Georgia Special Grand Jury report that was investigating former President Trump and his allies and whether or not they broke Georgia laws was released today. With the former president and dozens of other witnesses testifying, that grand jury believing that some may have lied under oath and recommends that they be indicted for perjury. No names of those accused of perjuring themselves was listed. How concerned should the public be about possible deception under oath? Well, of course, it's always an issue. That's why we have those laws for perjury. You raise your right hand and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. So help me God. And if you lie under oath, that's why you put people under oath, because it's different when you're interviewing with somebody and what you say versus is what you say when you're under oath. And so when you go into a court of law, you've got to tell the truth. It doesn't matter who you are. But if you're lying under oath, you should be held accountable for lying under oath. I don't care what political party or what office you've held. It doesn't matter. Now, they have not said that it was the former president himself, but they're talking about people that were in this trial. So obviously, that's the name you go to. I would be anxious to hear who it is and find out what the charges are going to be, if any. All right, that's Did You Hear This? Great job as always, Julia. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. What we're going to do in a moment is we're going to go back to, I mean, politics has been a big deal. There's a new poll out with Ruben Gallego leading the way against all comers uh, that we can think of, including uh, the Republican possible candidates for the Senate against Kirsten Sinema, Senator Sinema in that mix as well. But more to the point of the direction that Arizona has gone and is going under this governor. And it is part of how things – the way people are responding makes me laugh. But you do have to take into account some of the things that have been done and some of the things that are going to happen. And we'll talk about what those are next. 
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for joining the show. We just got word that President Biden is scheduled to speak at noon today, and he is going to speak about the UFO situation. And what I mean by literally unidentified flying objects, the the objects that have been shot down and other questions the American people have. And he is going to speak on that. He's scheduled at noon. So I want to recommend to you keep it locked here to KTAR, but also download that KTAR news app, because what will happen if you download the app, you'll be notified on your device that the president is going to speak or when he speaks, and then you can listen live from that device. It really is the best news app that's out there. If you haven't downloaded it, it's the only one I use on my phone. It keeps me updated on all the big news of the day that we have. So download that KTAR news app. The president scheduled to speak today at noon. Um, Governor Hobbs is putting her footprint on the state of Arizona. As she should. Again, I don't have any animosity toward anyone. She won the election. She should run the state the way she sees fit. I may disagree with it. And then I'm going to call it out. And and that's just how you do it. You know, when it's time to run for election or re-election... She'll have a challenger, and um, and that challenger will point out what they think are the mistakes and the missteps and the misdirections. But the governor should run the state the way she sees fit, and she is doing that. And she's making changes. She's taking down the border wall put up by the former governor. She's taking down all the shipping containers. She wants to turn them into housing. Whether that's a good idea or not, we'll find out. But this is what happens when you have a direction change. This is why elections have consequences. And so it, it the days of personality contests for me in elections are over. And I will tell you that um, – I have a lot of respect for people, and I've had the pleasure of getting to know people on both sides of the political aisle that I respect and, and I have good conversations with. Um, I, I just don't – when I don't agree, I don't agree, and when I do agree, I do agree, and I'm willing to take the hits. I don't take it personally when you say things – unless you make it personal, and I don't mean it personally when I say things. With Governor Hobbs, I've had a couple of conversations with her. They were fun conversations. I enjoyed interviewing her. At, you know, I understood she was the Democrat nominee at the time, and now she's the governor of Arizona. She deserves and will always get that respect from me, Um, and I'm hoping that she'll come on the show. I would love to have a conversation with her from a point of view of uh, why are you doing this and why do you think this is best. I think that's a good conversation to have, but you've heard me interview people before. I'm respectful. I respect her. She won the election. She is my governor. I love Arizona. I may not agree with a lot of her policies or whatever, but she's the governor of my state, and I give her the respect for that office. So she blocked $210 million in COVID grants, which, again, she has the power to do. But saying that the Ducey administration broke the law and also saying that she is being more responsible in her stewardship of ta- taxpayer funds is where I start this again. This is where I take issue. Um, the former governor in Governor Ducey, and this isn't a defense of him, it's, it's, it's to point out just an observation of what he did, um, reduce taxes on people. They cut spending. Um, they dramatically increased spending in education, and they weren't given credit for that. But there was a there was a there was a come to Jesus moment for the people that spend your money in the state. When you mirror this with how the federal government behaves, I had Congressman Schweikert on, who is a part of who will now audit and investigate uh, branches and, and departments of the government. When we talk about waste. 
I'm sure there is some at the state level. You can't have a state this big and a budget this big without there being some waste. Just like if you own a restaurant chain, you're going to have food waste. It's going to happen. You you avoid it as much as you can, but you're going to end up throwing some product away because it's outdated or giving it away, or you're going to cook something wrong. Whatever. It's going to happen. But keeping it to a minimum is what's most important if you want to be successful. Let, let's get that right. You know, for for me as an electrical contractor, when you bid a job, you bid how much material, how much conduit, how much wire, how many boxes, all the way down to the strapping and the screws and the things you're going to need for that project. And one of the keys to profitability is using that wisely. You're going to make mistakes. Everyone does. You're going to bend a piece of conduit the wrong way. You're going to do something where you're going to have to throw something away and toss it on the scrap heap. There's going to be scrap wire left at the end of the job. But keeping that to a minimum is the key to being profitable. In the restaurant industry, the food cost, keeping it down, labor cost, keeping it down, those are keys to success. We don't have people in the government that do that. We don't have quality control people in the government. There are people in the restaurant industry, restaurant managers are charged with quality control. It's not just the quality of the food that's leaving the kitchen. It's the efficiency of the staff that puts it together. It's not just the quality of service you're getting from your wait staff. It is also the efficiency in which you're giving it. That at times of day when it's slow, some people are sent home. When it's busy, you're staffed up enough to figure, you know, to to give your customers great customer service. You watch your bartenders and how much you don't want what's called an overpour. You don't want them, you know, charging people for a drink that comes with one shot of whiskey and giving them a shot and a half because you have a heavy hand when you pour. I know this all sounds boring, but we have people in the real world that that's what they do. On job sites, when you have a project, you have an estimator project manager in our business, in my company, I was it. But your job is to bid a job and how much material and labor it's going to cost to complete that job. And as the job goes on, you keep track of the material and labor to make sure that it's in line with what you bid. You make sure that you're keeping your labor costs as low as you can and your supply, you know, your, your material costs low. We don't have people in our government that do that. And that's the one of the issues here. So I love that the governor is talking about being efficient and being a good – the fact that she is saying she wants to be a good steward of the tax dollars in Arizona, whether I agree that that's what this is all about or not, I like hearing her say it. I don't think that's what this is about. I think this is about COVID. I think this is about her saying that the former governor rewarded people that didn't do the right thing with COVID and she's going to say you're not going to be rewarded for doing bad things. That's what I think. But just from a government perspective, isn't it fascinating that we don't have those quality control people? That when the Department of Defense, and because I'm a huge supporter of the military, when the Department of Defense gets a huge budget, and they do, and they're they're talking about another big increase, which we should have with what's going on with China and, and Taiwan and what's happening with the Iranians and the war in Syria and how there's become more aggression from the North Koreans and what the Russians are threatening, you know, peace through strength. And I think we need that more now than ever. But where are the quality control people? When we have the F-35, when the F-35, which is an amazing aircraft, was being built and designed, uh, where were the people saying, you know, we have a budget here that's really high, but, you know, rein it in. Let's keep our costs where they need to be. Are we on cost? Are we on task? Are we on time? 
We don't have those people in the government. People in business understand that it's essential to success. Quality control is essential to success. And if you aren't doing that, you're not doing a you're you're doing a disservice to yourself because it's your bottom line. As citizens, we don't have people in our government to do that. And if we do, they certainly aren't doing a very good job. Someone that's in charge of efficiency, someone that says, I talk about nonprofits all the time, and I'm going to be doing even more of that tomorrow and, and a little bit later, um, I, I probably in the, before we close out the show of something that one of the nonprofits we know very well is doing to raise money. But they have quality control. They know what their waste is, and it's almost zero. Talking about waste of product that is donated, food that's donated to food banks, but also wasting your time when you volunteer. Nobody wants to go volunteer somewhere and stand around. Oh, we got plenty of people just hang out for a little while. There's always something to do. And that's one of the things that in private sector is good, but we don't have enough of. All right, a couple of pieces of good news before we close it out. We're going to let you know what those two pieces of good news are before we close it out in the next segment of the show. So please stick around for it. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, before we close out the show today, two pieces of really good news I want to give to you. And let me start with this. Uh, I got an email from our friends over at St. Mary's Food Bank, and they are partnering up with Dutch Bros. Everybody knows Dutch Bros Coffee. It's great. The lines are always long because the service is excellent. So are the drinks. They are partnering with Dutch Bros tomorrow. Every drink that is sold at their, I believe, all 39 Valley locations, every drink that is sold tomorrow, they will donate $1 to St. Mary's Food Bank. Now, St. Mary's Food Bank can buy five meals for $1. So every drink you buy is going to provide five meals for a family here in the Valley. All 39 Dutch Bros locations, so thank them when you go there, and uh, if you want to throw in an extra donation, you probably can, but Dutch Bros is partnering with our friends over at St. Mary's Food Bank. Um, after the holidays, and we're definitely after the holidays, attention to this issue seems to waver a little bit, because you know we pay very close attention Thanksgiving, and it's not a bad thing, but that's when people pay attention. They are still seeing almost record numbers of emergency food boxes leaving St. Mary's Food Bank every single week. Um, that's in their two valley loca- in two of their locations in downtown Phoenix and then in the West Valley. There are so many worthy organizations out there. If you have one you give to, please give to them. And I would say, again, that intentional giving, now's the time to do it because they are still under immense stress and strain with, with hunger all over the valley in all of these organizations. But Dutch Bros and the people at St. Mary's Food Bank partnering tomorrow. Every drink they sell from open until close tomorrow, $1 gets donated to St. Mary's Food Bank. That is a huge donation, and it's going to go a long way right now as they're facing this uptick in hunger and need. So please jump in. So that's the one part of good news. Here's the other one. This one was so good. Yesterday, I asked everybody to spread the word about a young man named Aaron. He is a family member of some dear friends of mine. And uh, Aaron went missing. Aaron, uh, deals with Asperger's. He's been diagnosed with Asperger's. And he left his home at about 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday. He had taken a suitcase, like a roller suitcase and a backpack, and he left the family home. And so the family was frantic, obviously, over the last couple of days with the rain and the weather we've been having. Then he was out there all by himself. They hadn't heard from him in a long time. So we wanted to help put the word out about this. Here is a statement from the family. He was found with the help of various organizations, is safe, and with family members, and will be 
home soon. It's nice to have a happy ending with everyone's help. So thank you so much to all of you that responded on social media and reshared that and put the word out. And we're praying for that family. It is kind of cool to have a happy ending. So uh, to to Aaron's family, I'm glad he's back with you. And uh, they're going to have him home or if maybe by now. But this this message, I got this message from them this morning. That's great news. That's just a happy ending in that regard. We know how terrifying that must be for a parent to deal with and family, not just parents, but his entire family. Um, so we're so thankful that he was found in good condition. So after all of the conversations we have about uh, things that um, divide us, one uh, of the things that bind us are things like this. Everybody, no matter who you are, can imagine the fear of a family member with that happening and uh, and the need, you know, um, I just recently was talking homelessness with St. Mary's uh, with uh, I'm sorry with St. Vincent de Paul and um, with with Shannon Clancy, the CEO of St. Vincent de Paul, and the great work they're doing in conjunction with a big investment by the city of Phoenix to address homelessness and not just give people a bed to sleep in, but giving them a chance to work their way back into a home. And uh, now with St. Mary's Food Bank, I talk about them often, the efficiency. I love them, and to see them partnering with such a charitable, you know, the people at Dutch Bros. I've met them on a number of occasions at events and the things that they are. That's what I love about business, the business community in Arizona, is that what they do um, is give back. And imagine that. I mean, they, if you think about the lines that the Dutch bros you go to or that you drive past and you always see a line around the building, no matter how long they're open, no matter what time of day, think about this. Tomorrow at just that one location, every drink they sell, they're giving a dollar to St. Mary's Food Bank. And you think about that throughout the day, and then you multiply that times 39 locations. That's going to do a great thing for St. Mary's Food Bank. So it's very cool. I just like being a part of stuff like that. The guys at St. Mary's uh, uh, sent me an email and asked if we would put the word out. I'll remind you guys tomorrow of it. It's just a chance you're going to buy a drink tomorrow anyway. You might as well do it at Dutch Bros and help out a great cause. Um, so it's just it's fun to be a part of things like that. And, and for Aaron's family, we're so thankful that he's okay. Um, we are going to have the show again tomorrow. Don't forget, uh, President Biden is scheduled to speak in about four minutes at noon. I don't know when he will, but he is scheduled to speak at noon regarding the shooting down of these objects over the last few weeks and this, uh, you know, flying objects in general. He's going to make his first statement about it, his first public statement about it at around noon, which is happening in a few minutes. Download the KTAR News app. So that as soon as the president speaks, you're notified and you can listen from your device. But it's always a good idea to keep it locked right here to KTAR. We'll be back tomorrow as well. And uh, if you are a social media user, at Broomhead KTAR is my personal uh, web, uh, my personal account. At Broomhead Show updates you on things we're doing on the show, our guests and otherwise. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, Mike Broomhead, all one word. I'll be back tomorrow morning at just after 8 o'clock. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.